So today what I wanted to go over was there's, there was a new news report I saw on The Verge that Andrew Yang, who, who was a you know, presidential candidate in the U.S., well, not a real one, one of those people who sort of runs but gets eliminated really early, but he's written a few books on economic development. I've read them. I, I thought they were fine, but nothing super interesting. He has now started the Data Dividend Project, which is all for individuals to take control of their personal data. And where I want to go with this is we've been talking about in the past month or months, Quibi, which is short form video, Neva, which is personal, it's a browser or a search engine, I can't remember, for personal privacy and, and data protection. And now there is the Data Dividend Project. And I'm going to tie all of these together. So you ready for this, Chus? Do it, Joe. Okay. As a designer, when you start a program, you want to answer two fundamental questions. There's probably more than this, but great. Two fundamental ones is where we're going to start today. First, what's the problem we are trying to solve? Second, what is the demand that um, is, is, you know, or what is, yeah, what is the demand that you are fulfilling? And I look at all of these products that we have talked about and all of these seem to miss those two fundamental questions. Quibi, it's like, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Well, people want short form content. Okay, great. There's a ton of different uh, you know, content producers, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, that are totally in that space. How are you different? I have, besides a technical demo of changing the way that you hold your phone and having higher production value, which you can already guess isn't the greatest, it, it, it doesn't solve any problem. There is no demand for it. With Neva, there's already DuckDuckGo. There's already Brave, which is an ad blocker. There's no demand for it. And with the data dividend project, you look at, there is a problem here. People do want to take control of their data, but the demand of selling this to companies doesn't really work because data as a single point is useless. You need thousands or tens of thousands of data points. So again, the demand is not being addressed. And I feel like all these articles and all this press is going into products that are clearly not good products. Chus, that's what I wanted to start with. I, I have two opinions about this and they're conflicting. So let's, let's start with the angry part. How the hell is it okay for me to get paid 10 cents and then you can violate my privacy? Because companies aren't gonna pay enough for what your data is, for that to make it worth per person. Companies I, think I think 10 cents would be good, right? My guess is a, a, a fractions of a penny in US currency. Yeah, you, you see projects like the, the basic attention token, which is something that I think Brave also subscribes to. And the idea is that you get paid in cryptocurrency for watching ads, right? And then you figure out that you watching ads is actually super valueless. So it's it's very weird. You get you get paid cents for watching ads, and in the end, you're like, okay, so after ten years of hard work, I got a dollar, and I got annoyed by all these ads. So the the value trade for what you can give as a consumer in the form of data and what that data by itself is worth, that is just skewed, and it means that you will not get enough to compensate for your troubles. I also want to separate church and state here a bit about how how data is used and how privacy is done. Like we are essentially using services for free that cost a lot of money to create and run. And the way that we pay for those services is through 
the leveraging of our data, which people use to advertise YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. This is a pretty common standard. So that is one situation. The other situation, which I, I do like a little bit less, is how that data is then collected and perhaps sold to other parties. That's the part I do have a problem with. But when a company is using my data so I can use their service, well, fine, if I don't want that to happen, create a paid version of Google. Let's see how fast people sign up for that, right? I mean, Neva is paid. It's a paid uh, version of Google, a privacy conscious paid version of Google. Is there really? That's the idea. Oh, oh Neva, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, Quibi is a paid you know, uh, subscription, Neva paid, you know, dividend, uh, again, uh, companies would pay for your data. But time and time again, you see that people don't want to pay. They just want to sort of complain. So let me put it this way. And that's, that's where I see a difference between Neva, a paid privacy conscious search engine and the data dividend project. And I actually, I was angry just now about the data dividend project, but I think there's something smart there. So I predict that Neva is not going to work because people want to search and they want privacy. Some people want privacy, other people don't care. That's actually a problem with privacy rights on the internet. A lot of people don't really care. If you give them something easy and free and nice, they'd rather have that than their protection uh, of their privacy and it not being a nice service. That's why DuckDuckGo is something that only privacy conscious people use because it feels like it's search with a compromise. It works, but it's not as nice as Google, you know? So people are not going to pay for search. It's just not going to work. If you need to pay $5 a month, people don't want to do it because they can just Google. They'll just go around it and they'll figure out after a while, like, oh, I actually don't need it that much and then cancel again. Now, that's because people don't value their privacy enough. So what I think is interesting can, about can, the data can, dividend can I, can I jump in quickly and just say, I think they value their privacy, but not as much as they value convenience. And money. It, literally, when people need to put money across or, or against something, sorry, I'm being Dutch here. When, when people need to put a monetary value on their privacy, they're hard to convince to actually grab their credit card and keep on paying for it. But what I think is interesting about the data dividend project is that Andrew Yang is trying to show you that data is worth money and therefore it is worth to think about it. So I hope that whatever he's doing is going to actually make people conscious. And if, if he needs to say, you know, Everybody knows the saying, time is money. And therefore, they started to become more conscious of what you waste time on, because actually, that could be worth money. You could be making money, or is it worth to spend time? You know, we have a whole vocabulary about time. So if he can actually, through his data dividend project, make people think of data as money, maybe they'll become more conscious of where they spend their data. It's not about the sense that he's going to give. It's about the change of how people think of their data. I think that's a good interpretation. If I go back to what we were starting with, the idea of understanding the problem, which what you just described is clearly understanding the problem, but then understanding demand, that side of the equation doesn't seem solved to me. I don't think like, I don't think he has a good company idea whatsoever. Okay, just, so he has, he has a good awareness campaign, essentially. Exactly. I hope that people will start to slowly think of their data as money and that they can spend it and they can choose not to spend it or they can choose to spend it wisely only on the people who deserve it. 
The reason why I wanted to start out with this and talk about these companies is over the past five years when we were doing Raft and now at Argo, we work with so many product owners and product managers. And this is something that we come back to time and time again, where it feels like people go out and they create a problem, but they don't really find the problem. They create something that they see, but they haven't done the actual research. They don't go out to users and ask the appropriate questions. And what I mean by that specifically is a lot of times people will walk out with something. Let's take Quibi. You walk out with something that is short form content, high production quality, and you say, don't you want this? Someone will say, yeah, I think yeah, that actually looks sort of cool. Yeah, I'd watch that, right? Would you pay $2.99 for it? Yeah, sure, I guess, why not? Right? People are always going to say sort of yes, especially when you present them with a solution to something. But that's why something like design research is so critical in understanding the problem or ethnographic research because you're not asking them about direct questions. You're saying, let me understand the other services you use and why you use those and how you currently consume short form data. And do you pay for any of that? And if so, why do you pay for that? Because that's going to really express the breadth and the, the, you know, sort of 360 degree view of the problem and also understand if there will be demand once you create something. But those types of, of design-led approaches, I feel are still not as pervasive as they need to be within product owners or within companies. Yeah, and even if you do research and you, you figure out that people are willing to pay uh, $2.99 for this service initially because you're asking them about something that they don't have, you're a subscription-based platform. You need to know that those people after a month are not going to leave because you want more and more subscribers. It's not You're not selling a single thing, you're selling a subscription. So how do you know before you start a service like this, and it's been heavily invested into, how do you know that people actually continuously want this content? And of course, that's always a very big problem. Nobody said they wanted the mobile phone before it was actually there. Now we're all addicts. So. It's hard to predict that, but there are methods for this and there are ways to figure this problem out better. And it just seems like these companies didn't employ those ways. They just got really excited about what they could do, put a lot of money into it, and then just went on to the market. Yeah. So the way I think we'll wrap this up is, again, for designers who are out there working in companies, you know, those are some of the basic questions you want to ask. Those are some of the basic thoughts that you want to have as you approach products. And hopefully there's also product owners. I know most of our audience is designers and user experience individuals. But for product owners out there who listen to us, you know, please think about the way that you approach research. And please, you know, think about it from a little bit of a more ethnographic standpoint and not just a sales standpoint. But I, I think we're running out of time for uh, this week, Luz. Yeah, sorry. Talk too long about privacy again. That's okay. It's always a great topic. I'll talk to you next week, man. Bye, man. Later.